Let it there, First Chronicles, Old Testament. We're going to chapter 4. I'll read two verses, verses 9 and 10. Verses 9 and 10. We're reading from the New King James Version. You have that? Okay, in case you don't have that uh, particular version or you're not found it yet, it's on the screen in front of you. Let's go ahead and read together. Ready? Read. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. He said that you have bless me indeed. Today I want to continue from where we uh, left off on Wednesday night. I want to talk tonight on the, today on the subject, the blessing breaks cycles. The blessing breaks cycles. Father, thank you today for your presence and for your word. Thank you that each hearer, listener, is also today a doer of the word. We thank you that the word is already powerful and effective. It's rich. In fact, we agree with the psalmist when he said that all of your word, the totality of your word is truth. So we accept all of your word. Know that it is truth and that truth endures the, even to this generation. So speak now. If you're a servant, we hear and we intend to obey that which we hear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. The blessing breaks cycles. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We, we left off Wednesday night talking about, in case you weren't here Wednesday, uh, about how far too many believers, those who are the people or children of God, are stuck in uh, ruts or stuck in uh, cycles. Whether those are uh, financial cycles or financial ruts, whether they're emotional ruts, emotional cycles. You ever heard anybody, don't anybody, they're, they're up and down. You know, you, know, you never know when you run into them which one you're going to meet. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The people have these ups and downs and these cycles that they go through and uh, they're emotional, uh, what, what the world calls emotional roller coasters. There are cycles spiritually. There are cycles uh, where people in, the, in, the, in the, their walk with God, you're on fire one month, lukewarm the next month, cold the next three months, until you get a revival. On, you, know, you, you know you have a personal revival. Until you get a personal revival, and, no, maybe y'all know what I'm talking about. You can, you can have a personal revival. Ask me how I know. Because I've had many personal revivals. I couldn't wait for a preacher from New York to come in town or anybody to come in. I had to get myself with the Lord, me and myself. Lord, I don't, I don't feel right. I don't, I don't feel, uh, we don't go by how we feel. I understand, but we do feel as we go. There ought to be something that we feel still when we're walking with God properly. And um, so I know about spiritual cycles. And there are also cycles of spiritual failures. Faith cycles. Am I right about it? Where you're gung-ho in faith, you're believing God for something, man, and oh, man, you got... And that thing, that thing, that manifestation, that it takes too long, and the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. 
So you get, it's that, it, this manifestation is taking way too long and all of a sudden your faith begins to wane. You begin to draw back, pull off, and before you know it, I don't believe none of that. Then somebody comes and tells you their testimony about how God wrought a miracle in their life, how God brought manifestation. All of a sudden, zoom, your faith leaps back. All right, I believe God. There are all kinds of cycles that people go through. And we talked on Wednesday night about the power of the blood. We, last Sunday, the power in the blood. And this Wednesday night, the power in the blood, we're talking about breaking cycles. You remember that? I went to a scripture there Wednesday night. I want you to turn to, well, they can put on the screen for us. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 in the Passion Translation. Most of you don't have that sitting on your lap, so let's look on the screen. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 in uh, the Passion Translation. Let's see what it says up here for us, please. Praise God. I did send my notes, right? All right, good. It says here, he has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness. Everybody say tyrannical rule. I showed you that Wednesday night how Satan is a tyrant. A tyrant is an oppressive uh, ruler, somebody who doesn't, doesn't let up. And Satan is an oppressive ruler. And people, when they're, when they're not born again, they think they're in charge. That's funny. People who are not born again think I'm, they're free. I don't like religion because I want to be free. <laughs> what you don't realize is, Dum dum, you're under. Uh, forgive me, I'll for, take, take that back. You're under a tyrannical ruler. You see, because you're either in the kingdom of darkness or you're in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. And so the Bible says that God has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us, transferred, moved us. We're not, in the, not under that tyrannical rule anymore of the enemy who tells you what to do, who makes you do things. Hallelujah. It's funny how people think they're free when they're in sin. Do what you want. You're not doing what you want. You're doing what the tyrannical ruler is telling you to do. Amen? You're not free till you're in Christ. Am I right about it? John 8, 32, you should know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So you're not free till you're walking in the truth. Amen? We've been free from sin. According to Romans 6 and 7 and 8, we've been free from sin. So we, he's, he's translated us into the kingdom of kingdom realm of his beloved son. So we're no longer under the tyrannical rule of Satan, but we're now in the kingdom realm of God's son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14 goes on to say this. Glory to God. For in the son, all our sins are canceled. You ought to shout about that just one time. Thank you, Lord. That's like having debts canceled. Because sin is a debt. Sin, sin keeps you in heavy debt. It, sin is the worst debt of all. And it says, but they are canceled, and we have the release of redemption. This is what I want you to know. The release of redemption through his very blood. So we have been released from tyrannical rule. We've been redeemed from our sins. Glory to God. So those things no longer have any power over us. Now, I want you to understand this. This is what we covered on Wednesday night. That when you're in uh, sin, when you're a sinner, when you're what we might call a heathen, unsaved, of the world, unchurched, whatever we want to call it, not born again, you are stuck in a cycle of, a repeated pattern of failure and doom and drama and trouble and sorrow and heartache and the blues 
and sometimes up and sometimes down and sometimes almost level to the ground. That's the sinner's life. In fact, your Bible says in the, in the book of Proverbs that the way of the transgressor is hard. So I understand when, when it was a movie Annie or whatever it was, and then, and then I think Jay-Z came along later on a few years back and, and sang a song about it, a hard knock life. Y'all know that? I never heard that, Pastor. Okay. Jay-Z. Y'all know Jay-Z? Hard knock life. Well, the hard knock life belongs to the sinner. For you and me, there's no such thing as a hard knock life. The way of the transgressor, the way of the sinner is hard. But God has put you and me on easy street. Y'all ain't saying hard enough. I said God has put you and me on, on easy street. Jesus said, get, get Matthew 11, uh, 28 on the screen. Matthew 11 and uh, verse 28. I'm going to show you we're on easy street. Matthew 11 verse 28. I'm getting off, off, off cuff here. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. All y'all who have a hard knock life. He said, you want to get out of a hard knock, hard knock life cycle? Come to me. Anybody tired of life being rough? He says, come to me. He says, and when you're laboring and heavy laden, he says, and I will give you rest. Praise the Lord. You rest in Jesus. Then he says, verse 29, keep going, please. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke, yoke is, is that, that apparatus which they would use to harness oxen for them to work. So he says, take my, uh, he said, in other words, be harnessed to me, be connected to me, and learn from me. When you're, when you're, when you're uh, lockstep yoked with Jesus Christ, you're going to walk like he walks. Okay, he's doing this, he's doing that. He's okay. Uh, he stops, I stop. See, okay, he goes, I goes. He says, and learn of me. He says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find what? Rest. You will find what? Rest. Not turmoil, trouble, struggle, Rest. sorrow, bitterness, anxiety, all that foolishness that they get in the world. He says, you'll find rest for your souls. Now watch verse 30, verse 30. He says this, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So God has an easy yoke for us. It's easy. So we're supposed to be on easy street. I said we're supposed to be on easy street. Y'all not saying anything. I said we're supposed to be on easy street. All right, now. So we, God wants us out of the cycle of lack and poverty and sickness and disease and heartache and struggle and sleepless nights and restless days and all. He wants us out of that cycle. Now, I'll share with you Wednesday night. I'll, I'll review it just for those who, well, for everybody. A cycle is simply a series of events that are regularly repeated in the same order. Series of events that are regularly repeated in the same order. In other words, you go through the same things over and over and over again. And sometimes that, that cycle, many times, it's passed from generation to generation. Is this Mother's Day? And so it's passed from generation to generation. And many times uh, what happens is mom or dad will pass on their heartache. They'll project it. They'll cast it onto their children. Because children learn, their, learn the ways of their parents, they are most often doomed to repeat what their parents dealt with unless somebody intervenes and breaks out of the cycle. Right? So I taught you Wednesday night two things that'll break cycles. One I taught you was the blood. 
Everybody say the blood of Jesus. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 that the Bible says that they overcame him. Him is Satan. They overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So the way, one way to break out of cycles is the blood of Jesus Christ. And I taught you last Sunday how to apply that blood. Have y'all been doing that? Don't fool me now. Have y'all been doing that? Pleading the blood over your family, pleading the blood over your marriage, pleading the blood over your children, pleading the blood over your finances, pleading the blood over your physical body, pleading the blood over your house, pleading the blood over your cars, pleading the blood over your dog, pleading the blood over your cat, pleading the blood over your lawnmower, pleading the blood over your tricycle, pleading the blood over your education, pleading the blood over everything. I plead the blood over, I'm covered in blood. Because that is one of the ways he's given us to break cycles. I'll show you this here in a minute. Then the second thing that I was hesitant to share with you, but the Holy Ghost forced me to share with you, is that a sacrificial seed will break cycles. And, you know, it got, it got, uh, it got graveyard quiet when I said that Wednesday night. But it's true anyhow. That a seed, a sacrificial seed will break cycles. There's something, in fact, we know as called the breakout seed. Glory to God. Remember my, when my wife and I, the Lord, pushed, pushed us to sow a breakout seed and it, changed, it just changed our lives forever. Glory to God. And many people don't want to hear that because people are looking for the answers, but many times the answer becomes a problem. They're, they're so attached to their money and so attached to their possessions and the money and the possessions, the covetousness is what's keeping them in the cycle anyhow. In Psalm 76, verse 11 and 12, I'll share something with you about that. Psalm 76, verse 11 says, Make vows to the Lord your God and do what? <clears throat> and pay them. Let all who are around him bring presents to him. Or other translations will say bring him an offering to be, uh, who ought to be feared. God ought to be feared. So bring, he said, make vows and bring an offering. Then watch verse 12. Here's what he says he'll do when you do that. He says, he shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is awesome to the kings of the earth. So God will cut off the spirit of princes. Well, what's, what's keeping people in this cycle? And Jesus called Satan, he called uh, Satan the prince of this world. Paul called him the prince of the power of the air. And so what keeps people in, stuck in cycles is that prince, Satan, who keeps folk trapped. But God said, not Pastor John said, God said if you make a vow to him and pay it, if you bring him an offering, he says, then I'll break the spirit of princes. I'll cut the prince off that's been holding you back. I'll cut the prince off that's been keeping you trapped in sickness, trapped in poverty, trapped in drama, trapped in foolishness, trapped in whatever, whatever, whatever has been trapping you and your family. Amen. It's, it's funeral home quiet right now. But it's the truth anyhow. And I'll tell you, I, I didn't want to say that, but God made me say it. I have to say it because if I don't tell you, then he owes me accountable for not giving you the answers you need to break out of your problem. All right, now, so we saw the blood and we saw a sacrificial seed. Now, I proved that to you uh, last Sunday. Uh, in fact, I went back, if you go back to Resurrection Sunday, I taught on that about the Passover. Y'all remember that? Uh, the children of Israel were uh, 400 plus years in slavery, right? 400 plus years in, in Jewish tradition is about eight generations. So eight generations worth of poverty, get uh, Exodus 3 verse 7 on the screen. 
uh, eight generations of poverty, eight generations of misery, eight generations of affliction, eight generations of sickness, generation after generation after generation. That you're always hoping, okay, this next generation, they're going to break out. But what happens? They're stuck in it. 400 plus years of generational poverty, 400 plus years of generational sickness, diabetes passed on to the next generation. I'm going to say it. Y'all don't want to say nothing. High blood pressure passed down to the next generation. Lupus to the next generation. Cancer to the next generation. Come on now. HIV to the next generation. All this kind of stuff. This is, this is what they were going through. Cycle, generation. Y'all look it. Generation after generation after generation that they, they, couldn't, they, they could not break themselves out no matter what they did. So God sent a man. Moses. A prophet, a preacher to come down and preach something to them. Now, in Exodus 3 verse 7, it says, The Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression. With that word oppression, uh, it means poverty. It means affliction poverty and misery. All right? He said, I've seen it. He said, my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard the cry, their cry, the reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. That word sorrows literally means their pain. I know their, their struggles. So God knows when you have struggled. And if you look at the next verse, verse 8, give me verse 8 of that. Verse 8. He says, so I've come down to deliver them. Y'all got it? So whenever God sees you, he's coming down. Now, did God himself physically come down? No, he sent a man. <laughs> Somebody here going through, I sure wish God would come down and do something about it. He did. He sent me. He sent me with your answer in my mouth. Who do you think he is? I'm your answer. That's who I is. <laughs> oh, praise God. All, all the guests, y'all have to excuse me today. Thank you. I'm just going to be me. So he put my answer in your mouth. Like he put their answer in Moses' mouth. Okay? Go drop down to verse 21, please, and 22. Because watch what he does. I, I want you to see, this, this is important to what I want to share with you today. He says, and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Now, if you go back to verses before, they tells them, he says, uh, says you're going to go down there, Moses, do all kind of stuff. And I'm sure Pharaoh's not going to let the people go, not, with, not even with a strong hand. But he said, but I'm going to now get my hand involved. And this last time, I'm going to make him make sure he lets you go. That 10th plague, which is going to be the doozy. This is going to be the, the wham bam on him. Okay? And after that, he will let you go. He says, and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be when you go that you shall not go out, go empty-handed. So God's going to bring you out of all that, those cycles, with something in your hand. Verse 22, please. Verse 22. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, Articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing, and every woman, every mother, you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So shall you plunder the Egyptians. So God has given an instruction to Moses that when you, when you come out, I want the mothers. Mothers have a, have a, a, a certain uh, uh, demanding about them. When mothers know they need something, mothers know how to make things happen. Children need shoes, children need clothes, and husband acting crazy. 
or ba baby daddy acting crazy, y'all know whatever. Back to school time and baby daddy won't act crazy, whatever it is. <laughs> God, the women know how to handle, they, they, they know how to make things happen. So God had the women go down, I want you to make something happen, but he said when you do this, put it on your children, your sons and your daughters. I want them to experience. Mothers, I want you to cause your children to experience, to, 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 to wear something different, to, to feel something different. You've been stuck in eight cycles, eight generations of this poverty, but I want this next generation to be broken out of that, so I want them to experience something that's going to be different. Are you with me so far? Now look over at Psalm 105, please. Psalm 105 and verse 37. They'll put on the screen for us here. I'm just, just review. Where it says this. It says, he also brought them out with silver and gold. Now this is the re referring back to what we just read here. He also brought them out, come on, with silver and gold and so when he brought them out, that means women, women obviously they went and got it. They went and got that silver. They went and got that gold. Put it on their children. So he brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribes. In other words, there was no one sick. Now, for the Holy Ghost to point that out would mean that there must have been eight generations of sickness. When you're stuck in affliction and poverty and misery, sickness is going to come on, come on you. And it's going to pass on because the next generation didn't have anything to look up to. You got it? Glory to God. All right, now, now go to Galatians, Galatians, please, New Testament 3, verse 13 and 14. I want to show you something here. Glory to God. Because I want to tell you that, uh, and I said this to you on Wednesday night, that the curse is broken. The curse is broken. I said today, like I said it on Wednesday night, to all the black people in the room. It's a few black people I got here today. Few, few descendants of Ham. I gotta say that because some of y'all Ham descendants are being taught that the black man is cursed. It's foolishness. That's foolishness. Because somebody came named Jesus who broke the curse for everybody. So it doesn't matter if you were. The curse has been broken. Galatians 3 verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. So Christ took on himself all the curse. What's the curse now? The curse is the empowerment to fail. The curse is a force, a spiritual force that causes failure. When it's on you, you are doomed to fail. Glory to God. <laughs> I remember hearing uh, Dr. Creflo Dollar years ago say this. He said, he said if, if Pookie came and Pookie stayed at Auntie Maiden's house and her house burned down and then Pookie left Auntie Maiden's house and went down to stay to Uncle Junebug's house, and then Uncle Junebug's house burned down. And they said, oh man, we got, okay, 
Pookie go and stay at uh, at his sister house. The sister house burned down. Pookie can't come to my house. How come Pookie can't come to your house? Because there's something on Pookie. It's just a coincidence. No, it's something on Pookie. See, the curse is an empowerment to fail. Get a job, always lose a job. Always lose a job? There's, there's, an, there's an empowerment to fail. That's operating. Some, whenever, whenever things are always going negative, oh, it's just the enemy. Yeah, the enemy, the Bible says the curse has not come uh, causeless. There's some way, somewhere you've invited or allowed the curse to come back and operate in your life, a curse that you have been redeemed from. But you have opened the door again for the curse to come back through the back door. That's what you read in Proverbs. We read that every month. The curse does not come causeless. Does not come causeless. All right. So, but Christ redeemed us from the curse. It says, curse everyone who hangs on a tree, verse 14. So that, I'm throwing in the word so, that's what it means literally. So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. So rather than you and me having the curse on us or the empowerment to fail on us, which keeps us in cycles of failure and defeat, we now have the blessing on us, which is the empowerment to prosper, which puts us in cycles of victory and success. Come on now. I'm in a cycle. I'm stuck in cycles of victory and success. I always win. Things always work out for me. Oh, man. I'm by myself, ain't up there. Things, no, I'm, I'm serious. I'm not, I'm not talking by faith. I'm literally telling you everything always works out for me. Things always go my way. Well, what's special about you? I know I'm redeemed from the curse. So I don't make room for the curse to come back in my life. I don't speak curse words. I didn't say cuss. I'm not talking about, and I don't cuss either. But I don't speak curse-inducing words. I don't curse my resources. I don't curse my surroundings. I, I don't curse what I have. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't speak ill of the things that I have. I always speak it's going to work out. Glory to God. I'm going to win this time. I'm going to win this time. It's going to work out. Glory to God. That's the blessing. And it's on my life. Oh, Jesus. Should I quit already? Because y'all look like I should quit already. So, the curse keeps you in a cycle of failure, but the blessing is the empowerment to prosper, and the blessing shifts you into a cycle of success and victory. You got it? The blessing shifts you into a cycle of success and victory. Can you see that? I got three people say, yeah, I can see it. Can you see that, ladies and gentlemen? Because when you're blessed, 
You are empowered to prosper. You are empowered for victory. Empowered to have success. When you read, give me a Proverbs 2 and verse uh, 7, please. Proverbs 2 and verse 7. Proverbs 2 and verse 7. The Bible says he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. When you read that, that, word, that word wisdom, you look it up, the, uh, the definition of it in the, in, from the Hebrew, it literally means victory and success. So if you were to, to, to extrapolate that, you, it would say he stores up sound victory and success for the upright. So God has sound victory. In fact, put it in the NIV. Try to try the NIV. It might it might even change it over here. I'm not sure which NIV uh, version we have here, but the NIV might might change it. I know it did at one time. He holds success in store. You see that? So that word wisdom literally means victory and success. It's in store for you. Do y'all see that? Success is in store for you. Victory's in store for you. And I want to deal with this, with this because, uh, because this, this being Mother's Day, uh, many times uh, what's happened is, is because of trials, tribulations, troubles, sorrow, and pain, uh, people have, have uh, cast or forecast failure for their children. They have projected defeat for their families. Because of what they've experienced, because of what they know from their past, from mama and grandmama and great-grandma and daddy and great-granddaddy and so forth, they, they project forward failure and defeat. But the Bible says God has victory and success in store. So we need to be looking at our children and, say, and, and telling them there's success in store for you. There's victory in store for your life. It doesn't matter if your daddy ain't nowhere to be found, baby. Your, your, God. Glory to God. Do you know that within our community, when I say our community, you know what I'm talking about. They project and forecast failure for our children. That's being born in the skin you're in. They already project a failure rate. Don't let it be that you're in a single parent household in the skin you're in. They've increased that rate. Don't let it be that you're in a single parent household and you're below the poverty line. They super, they, they just, ex I mean, that rate goes sky high. As to what they project. And be, no, oh man, y'all might not like this part. But because of that, they label all the kids in that uh, category underprivileged, disenfranchised, less fortunate. And so they try to dump all the grant money as if grant money is going to fix it. But grant money won't break out of a cycle. 
Oh, Jesus. Y'all don't like this part here. I know I know. I got teachers and administrators and all kind of public officials, all kind of stuff here. But I'm telling you, if money could break you, if you receiving money could break out of a cycle, then people with a lottery will be set for life. If receiving money could break out of a cycle, then people who get a big NFL, NBA, MLB contract will be set for life. And yet... Glory to God. All right, let me get to it here. Let me get to it here. Y'all working with me today, boy, y'all. Now, let's go to First Chronicles 4, please. First Chronicles 4. Because I want to talk about, again, the blessing here. Because the blessing we learn goes only one way. It only has one direction. And that's, that's up. <laughs> you can't. You can't have the blessing and uh, be going backwards, going down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, I want to show you that the blessing of the Lord is what's used to break cycles of failure, defeat, sickness, poverty, lack, pain, and sorrow. The blessing does this. Now, if you look in 1 Chronicles 4, verse 9 and 10, this story we have here of a young man named Jabez. Yes, sir. Everybody say Jabez. Jabez. It says Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Okay? And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. So she experienced pain in uh, perhaps the pregnancy, perhaps the delivery, uh, or both. And she said, I bore him in pain. Or the pain was not physical. Perhaps the pain was emotional because we never see mention, if even if you track back above here, you never see mention of Jabez's father. So perhaps it was physical pain. But I, 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 I contend that her pain was more emotional. The emotional pain of, 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 of uh, loving a man. Seriously liking a man. Thinking that the man is the one. He told you when he whispered in your ear, he was going to always be there for you, baby. You the one, girl. You just me and you, baby. There's no, nobody, nobody but you, baby. And she didn't know when he told her he was going to work. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just conjecturing, you know, I understand. Just, I don't know this to be true, but you don't know it to be false. So let's, 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 let's roll with me here. This, this is my story. I'm, I'm preaching this message today. 
she, Jabez's mom, she thinking she got the one. And, uh, but Jabez, the mom, uh, there's no mention here of the father there to sign a birth certificate. She didn't know that uh, he was going to uh, leave. I don't know he left. I don't, we don't know that. But we don't see him mentioned. In fact, when you read, you read Chronicles, the book of Chronicles is, is, a, is a genealogy list. And yet, just stuck in the middle of this passage, it's a story about Jabez with no mention of his father. Just stuck in the middle of this passage. You start, you start from 1 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 1. It starts out with the chronology, with the genealogy about Adam. The whole book is going through a genealogy. It's birth certificate. The birth certificate is the family tree. Boom, 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 boom. But stuck right here in chapter 4, verse 9, is a story, an odd story stuck in there about this dude Jabez, and you don't read anything about him. You don't mention Jabez, you know, son of. Maybe she didn't know who the daddy was. <laughs> No, that, that don't happen today, do it? Now, it said he was more honorable than, than his brothers. Maybe the brothers are all in the same situation, too. Because there's no mention about the brothers' daddies either. Daddy or daddies. And we don't know the brothers' names. We know his name. That by this time is so painful. I'm, she's stuck in a cycle. She don't know how she always attracted to the same man. She always attracts the same kind of man. Oh, y'all, y'all don't like this, do you? I, I better, I better quit. I don't know how I always ended with the same kind of man over and over and over again. What's the deal with that? Generally, the reason you attract the same kind of man is because you're putting out the same kind of bait. I mean, we know this from fishing, don't we? If I went fishing and I kept, you know, throwing out uh, uh, oysters or whatever, you know, I'm going I'm to keep attracting sheephead. I ain't, ain't going to get no red snapper coming on that. This is not how it works. I'm going to keep getting the same kind of fish. Over and over and over again. So what are you fishing for? We don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know this about Jabez's mama. I don't, I don't mean to talk bad about the woman, but I'm just saying it's my story. I'm sticking with it. So I'm trying to figure out why. And the Bible doesn't give us any indication, Old Testament, New Testament, anywhere. I mean, here, here's what else we know. It, it says, and his mother called his name Jabez. His mother. In Jewish tradition, normally, the father named the son. You see times where mothers name their sons. You see, when, when uh, uh, Jacob had uh, uh, Rachel, and Leah and Bilhah and I forgot the other uh, Zilla, Zilla, what was Zilpah, Zilpah whatever. Two, 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 sounds good. 
It's four ladies. And he had children from all them. And the Bible says that Rachel and Leah, they named all those, all those sons. But that's because they were naming them because I, uh, Jacob wasn't really paying attention. Rachel, uh, Leah would name one. She said, I'm, I'm going to name him this because perhaps now he'll pay me some attention. She was naming her sons trying to get the husband. But that really wasn't her place to be naming these sons because are y'all following this story here? This is the truth. You can go back and look at it. So why is Jabez's mother naming him? She's, she herself is stuck in a cycle with all these boys. And these boys um, remind her. Am I saying it right? These boys remind her of the ratchet daddy. Am I talking, am I, am I? Okay. So, so, so watch this. So watch this. So when you read, it says, because I bore him in pain. But if you got a good Bible, it literally translates that his name, Jabez, literally means he will cause pain. You see it in your, some of y'all see it in your Bible? It literally means he will cause pain. So she's projecting on Jabez that he will cause pain just like his daddy caused pain. Sorry, no good sack of potatoes. He go out there and make all these babies and don't show up and don't bring milk. He asked for milk. He can't bring no milk. Ask, can you just at least buy one box of diapers? Man, you can't bring one box of diapers. Yo, sorry. You out there slinging, got all that money. You ain't got nothing you can bring by. I don't come in, come on, nothing you can't bring. Nothing by. You can't. I got tuition due this week for the child preschool and everything. It's, come on, you can't do nothing. You're sorry. Sack of potatoes. Don't answer the phone. Thank you, girl. Thank you. You ain't, ain't nobody that's going to say nothing. She said, Jabez, he will cause pain. Because all the pain I went through, I know he's going to cause pain too. She's projecting a cycle on his life. Boy, I'm preaching way better than y'all letting on right here, boy. She is forecasting on her son. Ladies, well, anybody, please be careful that you don't forecast on your future because of what's happened in your past. I'm going I'm to help, I'm going to help, I'm going to help, I'm going to help, I'm going to help eight people right here. The one you married to now ain't the one you was married to before. So stop holding him guilty for what he did back in the past. The one you dating right now is not the one. You still holding him hostage or holding her hostage because some of y'all sometimes it flipped around here. You're, treat, you're treating your, you, you 40 years old treating the man wrong because the guy in high school did something way back when you was, you was 16. 16? 
know that guy. But what happens is you can curse your future because of the pain of your past. She said, I'm going to call him Jabez. Jabez literally means he will cause pain. You know, you know, what, you know how they say it in, in today's term? You're going to be just like your daddy. Y'all never heard that. They never heard that. You're going to be just like your daddy. Only thing, only thing the little boy did was forgot to pick up his toys out the living room. You're going to be sorry, just like your daddy. <laughs> all, he, all he did, he got one elf, and you're going to be sorry, just like your daddy. He got one elf. I mean, I, no, don't, 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 don't be happy about the elf, but I'm saying, don't, 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 don't forecast the child's whole future. Y'all with me here? She couldn't see past her own pain. And so she projected her pain on Jabez's life. I'll say this again for you to get, get this. You must never curse your future due, the, due to the pain or troubles of your past. You must never curse your future due to the pain or troubles of your past. Because the blessing can reverse all of that. Because the blessing can reverse all of that. Did you get that? You must never curse your future due to the pain or troubles of your past. To curse your future or to curse something puts it back in that trap of darkness. Back under tyrannical rule. With your own mouth. Glory to God. So, Jabez, he will cause pain. Sometime later on, now he was a, obviously a little baby when she named him this. And I want you to imagine Jabez, he goes to uh, preschool. Cutting up in preschool. <laughs> I see some preschool teachers testify. Cutting them in preschool. Y'all know, you know all these kids and, you know, amen. Hi, y'all. It's cutting up, throwing blocks and hitting people, hitting other little kids in the head. Flipping over chairs, flipping over cots. Tackling other kids on the playground. J-Bez, you get, you get the call, uh, Hey, uh, Miss Jabez, Mama. Yes, I know, I know, I know. Child, he just like his daddy. <laughs> Kindergarten, elementary school, all the other kids, and they say they call roll call for the day. Gershon, here. Robert, here. Edward, here. Jabez, here. (laughs) 
Can you imagine when you're the teacher on first day of school, you look up at your, I, dog, I got Jabez, dog. Mighty Lord. I quit. Forget it. I ain't came to teach this. Because what you, everyone knows, his name means he will cause pain. So can you imagine Jabez? He, he, he turns, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. He's starting to get a little mustache, a little beard, and, you know, a little underarm hair and everything, a little chest hair. And he, he's uh, now, you know, he starts noticing the opposite gender, and he's looking, and now, you know, Walks into a girl and says, hey, babe, how you doing? She says, oh, I'm, I'm nice. What's your, what's your name? Oh, my name is Felicia. Well, what's your name? Jabez. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. <laughs> Every time. You don't want to date a man named Jabez. Because you know he will cause pain. He goes to get him a job. Name? Jabez. No. Next? Position field. Yeah, position field. Oh, you're overqualified. Jabez, he can't, he can't imagine that. No, there's nowhere. He goes to try to get him a little apartment. I'm going to get him a little apartment. Name? Jabez, no, we just, ah, oh, somebody just called about that. I want you to see this because, see, he's wearing a label that his mother placed on him because of her own pain. He didn't do anything except be born. And she's cursed him from the womb. So he's stuck in a perpetual cycle of failure and defeat and sorrow and, and, and pain and toil and struggle and isolation and loneliness. He's in a cycle of it. Just no matter how he tries to, I mean, he, he starts working, put himself up from his own bootstraps and tries to go get a contract. And they say, Jabez Construction. Oh, no, I can't hire you. Just go right back. Are you seeing this here? But at some point, Jabez gets a revelation. Jabez, at some point, after struggling for years and years and years and going through cycles and cycles and cycles of failure and defeat, somehow along the way, he gets a revelation. His eyes are open to something that's going to break this thing off his life. So he goes in the very next scripture, in 1 uh, Chronicles 4 and verse 10, as we know he's honorable, it says, and Jabez called on the God, come on, my God, of Israel, saying, oh, that you would, that you would, that you would bless me indeed. He didn't say, dear Lord, would, would you bless me? Would you, could you bless me? Could you help me out? It said, oh, I want you to hear the anguish and the pain, the desperation in his 
Oh! And somebody there, you may be feeling that on the inside of you. And that's, oh, Lord, I'm tired of going through all this struggle. I'm tired of all this cycle. I'm tired of this pain. I'm tired of generation after generation after generation of suffering, defeat, and lack, and poverty, and sickness, and disease, and trouble, and sorrow, and anguish, and depression, and all the things we've had to go through. Oh! So he cries out, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Everybody say, bless me indeed. Shout it like you're ready to break out of a cycle. Shout it. Now this word bless is the Hebrew word barak, B-A-R-A-K. Barak, which means to impart something, that you would release something, that you would say something over my life. When he's asking God to bless him, he's not telling, asking God to give him a house or give him a car. He's not asking God to give him some jewelry. not asking God to give him a wife. not asking God to give him uh, some children. not asking God to give him a, a new job. not asking God to give him a new apartment. He's saying, God, I want you to speak something. I want you to say something over me that's going to release something on me that will release me from what I'm trapped in. I'm tired of this cycle. I'm tired of always failing. I'm tired of being sometimes up, most of the time down. So he said, Lord, bless me. Lord, speak something over me. Am I in the right house today? Oh, that's desperation. That you will bless me. The, the English here is bless me indeed. The Hebrew is barak, barak. If you were to read this in the Hebrew, it would be uh, Yehovah Barak Barak. I want you to bless me, bless me. Y'all not catching it. No, y'all not catching it. No, I'm, I'm talking about, he's saying, Lord. See, we, in English, they use the word indeed. But what he's really saying is, I want you to really bless me. I'm so desperate, I'm so tired, I'm so done with all these cycles. I don't just want you to just say something little. God, I want you to say something big over my life. Lord, bless me, bless me, really bless me. I wonder if there's anybody in here, you've, been, you've had enough of being in cycles. Seem like you're moving ahead. Let me just say, three steps forward, two steps back. He said, Lord, bless me, bless me. Bless me, bless me. I want you to really bless me. I want, I want, I want you to bless my socks off. I want you to impart something on my life that's going to break. You know, because you, you got to understand. Now, remember, 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 remember. In verse 9, it said he was more honorable. What made him more honorable? is that in verse 10, it told us that he called on the God of Israel and asked God to do something. What that would say, the other brothers, they, though they were in trouble, they were trying to work it out out of the flesh. But he knew that the flesh wasn't going to cut it. All his natural work was not going to break him out. But there was a God in Israel that if he called on his name and asked God to release something on his life, you see, they knew in Israel about this blessing. The blessing was not foreign to them like it's foreign to us. Many people in the body of Christ have no clue about the blessing. 
they say things like the Lord is blessing me right now, right now, and they count the blessing as things they get, a car or a house or a job. Oh, that, that's not the blessing. Those are blessings, but that's not the blessing. The blessing is a force. The blessing is an empowerment. The blessing is something God puts on you that will produce blessings after blessings after blessings on top of blessings in your life. It's an empowerment that will open doors and make ways for you and give you favor everywhere you go and cause things to turn around and things that used to not work out, they start working out. Things that used to go wrong, they start going right. Things that used to fall apart, now they're held together. The blessing comes on you and everything has a change in your life. It's a force. It's an empowerment. And most of the body of Christ is clueless. Many folks sitting right here might be clueless about the blessing. And what's happening is if you're clueless about the blessing, then you do things within your own strength. And things within your own strength will keep you stuck in cycles. Because the flesh, according to Jesus in John 6, 63 or so, says the flesh profits nothing. The flesh profits nothing. He said, other place, all flesh is as grass. And the grass withers and the flower fades away. So no matter what you do, how good you do it, how bad you may be in the flesh, you're a bad man, my jam in the natural, at some point it's going to fail and fall apart. Because if you're under the curse and not operating under the blessing, you are programmed to fail. So Jabez said, hey, I got something. I found out something. He might, he, I don't know if he went through back through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and began to study the Torah, begin to study the scrolls, but he discovered something about the blessing. He said, oh, I know how to get my life to change. He said, oh, that you would bless me indeed, or oh, that you would bless me, bless me. That you would really bless me. Are y'all hearing this here today? Huh. Praise God. Now, cycles are not broken by education. Cycles are not broken by ingenuity or hard work. Cycles are not broken by hypnosis or Psychiatric manipulation. Catch this here. Psych cycles are not broken by self-help or humanistic empowerment. I'll say that one again. Cycles are not broken by self-help. You can get as, read as many self-help books and go to as many self-help seminars as you want to. But any manner of humanistic empowerment is doomed to fail. All flesh is as grass, and the grass withers, and the flower fades away. Cycles are broken by the blood, by seed, and the blessing. Cycles are broken by the blood, by seed, and the blessing. Are oh, y'all hearing me today? Y'all got a few more minutes? Go to Genesis 21 real quick. Look at this real quick. Genesis 21. Hallelujah. Woo-wee. I'm going to stay under the blood. And the world can't do me no harm. I'm going to keep sowing seed. Break out seeds on every level. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. 
and I'm going to invoke the blessing on my own life, the life of my wife, the life of my children, the life of my spiritual children. Genesis 21, because what I want you to see is that Jabez, what he experienced was was similar, very similar to what Abraham's first son Ishmael experienced. In Genesis 21, verse 14, are you there? Some of y'all know the story. Uh, Abram, uh, God had told Abram, you're going to have a son. Uh, You and Sarah are going to have a son. They uh, got a little frustrated in, in, in how long it was taken to produce that. So Sarah got the idea, hey, you go and have a baby with uh, my uh, maidservant, uh, Hagar, and perhaps that's how God would give us this child, all right? But that turned out to be a bad idea. Good intention, bad decision. You got it? In verse uh, 14, it says, so Abram, Abram, Abraham rather, rose early in the morning. Now what happens? Uh, at this point, Sarah wants Hagar and Ishmael out the house. You and your nappy head child, get out of my house. You're not going to be uh, vexing me and my family. Okay? Verse 14. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water. And putting it on her shoulder, he gave it to the, to the boy, gave it and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Verse 15. And the water in the skin was used up. Now understand, verse 14, he gave her, this is all the child support she got. This is all the child support rich Abraham gave her. Right? Didn't your Bible say Abraham was extremely rich? And when he sent her away, he sent her away, hey, he goes some bread, and he goes skin, like a goat skin or whatever, full of water. Y'all, y'all carry that and, you know, do, your, do the best you can. Verse 15, and the water in the skin was used up. And she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Then she went and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot. That means a long way. Bow shot. Got it? For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. She's predicting, projecting he's going to die. Because she ran out of child support. We ain't going to make it. No check coming in. Every time we try to get a case going, he quit his job. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you. Pass, I know about it. All right. So she, watch this. So she sat opposite him and lifted Said her, her voice and wept. She sat opposite. She couldn't see him. She couldn't see him. She essentially abandoned him because of what she was going through. She left her son to die because of what she was dealing with. I was good to Sarah good to Abraham. Put me out the house and gave me this little bit of money. He knew I wasn't going to make this little bit of money. And what she's going through, rather than her wrap her arms around her son and say things like, hey, we're going to make it. God is with us. She knew God. Now she knew God. 
God had spoken to her back in the 15th chapter of Genesis. He had already, so she already knew God's voice. But rather than her saying somehow God's going to take care of us, you go over there, I'm going to go over here, and I want to watch him die. And she lifted up her voice, her voice, and wept. Now whose voice was lifted up? Hers. Verse 17. And God heard the voice of the lad. What? He said she lifted her voice. It says, and God heard the voice of the lad. In other words, God ignored all that foolishness. And it said he heard that boy's voice. Then the angel of God called a Hagar out of heaven. Girl, what's wrong with you? He said, what ails you, girl? What ails you? That's see what I said. What ails you? What's wrong with you? He said, what you crying about? What's wrong with you? You've abandoned your son because of your own pain. What's wrong with you? Ask your neighbor, what's wrong with you? You letting your pain leave your child, your manifestation, your hope, your expectation to die. Abandoning your future because of the pain of your past. He says, what ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard your voice. No, oh, God has heard the voice of the lad. God heard that boy. God heard God heard your future. God heard your cry. God heard, God heard your destiny. God, God heard that promise. God, God heard your seed. God heard your seed out there. Mama tripping, but God heard that seed. Verse 18. Now she got the angel got to tell her, tell her what to do. Arise. Lift up the lad and hold him with your hand. For I will make him a great nation. Now, this wasn't her first time hearing this. Back when she first left, God had to send her back. No, I'm going to bless him. I'm going to take care of him. It doesn't matter if, if Sarah don't like him. It doesn't matter if his, if his daddy want to cut him off. It doesn't matter. I'm still, I'm still with him. Tell your neighbor, God is still with you. Tell, tell him it don't matter who cut you off. You still have a glorious future. You are now in a cycle of success and victory. You're not going back to failure and defeat ever again. God has his hand on your life. God's got his hand on your life. God's got his hand on your life. Remember when, when Jabez made his prayer, oh, would you bless me indeed? He said, enlarge my territory. He said, let your hand be with me. In other words, let your hand be on me. If God puts his hand on you, there ain't nothing the devil can do about it. If God's got his hand on your life, you are, you are, you are destined for success. You are destined for great victory. All right. He says, so I will make him a great nation. Verse 19. Verse 19. Everybody say verse 19. Then God opened her, opened her eyes, opened her eyes that were, that were sealed shut with her tears. Opened her eyes and where she had been crying over a skin of water, crying over a child support check, 
she was crying over a monthly check. And God said, girl, don't cry over that check. Let me show you a whole well of water that you can get all the water you want to. You can get all the money you want to. You ain't got to worry about who left you, who departed, who abandoned you. I got enough for you to take care of you the rest of your life. She can go back as many times as you want. You got a well? You can just keep on driving that well. Now, let me, let me just say this. Let me say this because uh, some of the guys getting mad. I'm not picking on. I'm not picking on no guys. Y'all got me. Some of the guys getting mad, upset with me about child support. I'm just saying to us. I'm talking to you. You may not have a child. You may, you may just have a seed of destiny, something you believe in God for, something God has already spoken in your life, and you're letting that thing die out there because of the pain of your past. I ain't preaching about children. I'm preaching about you not, not killing off your destiny because of your past. So she filled, went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. So God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. So God was with the lad. Verse 21, he dwelt in the wilderness of, of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. So he grew up, got married, had a great life. Got it? Hallelujah. Now let me, let's finish right here. Let's finish right here. Go to Luke 18. Luke 18. Because, do I have any real mothers in here? Yes. I mean, real mama. You ain't you no know, play play mama. I mean, who you love your children. Or you're a parent and you love your children. Or you're in ministry and you love those who God has given you to serve. Whatever it is God has given you, whatever it is God has placed under your care, you might be a business owner. God has placed that business under your care. No, no real mother, parent, no real uh, overseer wants lack or defeat or sickness or poverty or struggle or pain or toil or sorrow for their children. There's no, there's no parent on this planet who has, who, who's still human. Who's not become animalistic. Who doesn't want the absolute best for their children. In Luke chapter 18, I'm going to show you something here. Because if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord, then you, you know, hopefully after today, the best way to get the best for your children is the blessing. Luke 18, verse 15, in the Living Bible, please. You can get it in your Bible. Let's look at it in the Living Bible here. I want you to see this right here. Glory to God. Says here, um, just stay, stay New King James. Don't don't change yet. Stay, don't change yet. 
says, then they also brought infants to him that he might touch him. They meaning parents, those around, brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. So the disciples said, no, get them kids away from here. Okay, now switch to the, to the Living Bible, please. Living Bible, Luke 18, verse 15 through 17. Yeah. I, I actually think I sent that to y'all because we don't have that in the system. So I sent that 15 through 17. Hopefully I sent it to you. If I didn't, then uh, we blew it. Let me just tell you what it says. It says, then the mothers brought their infants to him to touch them and bless them. The mothers brought their infants to him to touch them and bless them. So when the parents are bringing their children to Jesus, they're not just saying, hey, Jesus, pat them on the head. They're, they're, they're coming to him to release the blessing on them. Because these parents understood that the single most powerful force on the planet that would change the lives of their children is the blessing. So they had to press their way through the crowds, press their way obviously past his own disciples. There it is. One day, some mothers brought their babies to him to touch and bless. To touch and bless. As a parent, there's nothing more valuable to me than for my children to be touched by the hand of God. Nothing more important to me than my children to have the blessing of the Lord on their lives. It's, it's more important to me than any academic achievement. Oh, boy. And God has blessed me. My wife and I have four intelligent, highly intelligent children. I mean, very, very intelligent children. I don't say that to boast or brag or, to, or to whatever. It's just it's the truth. It's the truth. Our oldest one already finished college, been teaching three years. The next one's about to finish her associates. The next one get ready to start her associates later this month. So, but no academic achievement. All that stuff means nothing to me if they don't know God. I don't care nothing about all that stuff. If they don't know God, if they don't have the hand of God on their lives, if they're not walking with the blessing of the Lord, none of that stuff means jack to me. Because education is, is great, but all it do is puff you up and get you out there on a whirlwind, get you out there on, 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 in, the, in, the rat, in the rat race, in the, in the chase, and the promise, get a, get a good education, you're going to get a good job, and you're going to work 30 years, and you're going to retire. That's the dream. Pursue the dream. And, and, and you know people is not working like that. You get that debt. Student loan debt. Sally May all in your pocket. 30 and 40 years. So no academic achievement compares to the blessing. Our son is an is a, is a all-star baseball player. But no athletic accolades, no athletic accomplishment means anything to me if 
you're not a blessing. As a matter of fact, my wife and I teach him the reason he is so good is because of the blessing. Because he don't practice. <laughs> you got to get that practice, man. That joke just show up and just psh, excel. It's the blessing. It's the blessing. In other words, you can follow what I'm saying to you. There's, there's nothing, there's no accolade in this earth. There's nothing you can achieve, no accomplishment in this earth that, that's more valuable to a real parent who knows God than to have the hand of God on your life and to have the blessing of the Lord working in your children's lives. So that means that no homework is more important than being in church. There's no, there's no activity more important than being in church. There's no thing you can do that's more important than you getting this word and we're going to read Proverbs every day and you're going to pray and you're going to fast along with us. You don't get the Sunday off. No, you're going to be here because nothing is more important than this. Because if you miss, if you get all that and miss all this, you are still in a cycle of failure. You may rise to the highest of heights in this earth, but because of the curse, and I don't want to look up and my child is 40, 50 years old and they've amassed all these things on this planet and they've got all these accolades and they got all the dream this and the dream that and everybody on the planet knows them and I look up at 50 years old and they committing suicide. They're depressed. Pills everywhere. Because they didn't know God. Because they didn't know they didn't walk with God. Because they didn't have the hand of God on their lives. Because they, they didn't walk in the power and the of the blessing force on their lives. These moms said from day one, from the jump. Here's what I want in my children's lives. Jesus. The blessing. We don't know anything about these mothers. What they were dealing with, what they had been going through. But they knew something. If I can get my child a Jesus, he's going to have a wonderful future. She's going to have a wonderful life. If I can get them in front of Jesus, if I can get them there and keep them there in front of Jesus. You remember James and John? You remember James and John, two, two disciples Jesus had? The Bible calls them the sons of Zebedee. Early in Jesus' ministry, you read Luke 5. Jesus went out, to, they were, these guys had a boat, a fishing business. He went out and used uh, the boat. And uh, went out there, and uh, the Bible says James and John were among the disciples who they left their fishing business, and they went to follow Jesus Christ. And the Bible says they left their father Zebedee on the boat. They left their father Zebedee on the boat. James and John left to be with Jesus. They left Zebedee on the boat. You read later on, at the end of the Gospels, you see where a mother comes along. She, the Bible says the mother of the sons of Zebedee. This is James and John's mama. Zebedee's still on the boat. 
But mama left with Jesus. Mama with them boys thought, hey, we're going to follow Jesus. Daddy got this boat. He running business. Daddy working 80 hours a week trying to make this meet. We ain't got no. No, we following Jesus Christ. Mama followed Jesus. And the Bible says near the end of the ministry, she, she came to Jesus and says, hey, uh, Jesus, can I ask you a question? And, 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 and Jesus said, okay, sure. What, what, do, you, what, do, you, what do you want to ask? Yeah, Jesus. Jesus. I mean, that's big. Jesus said, okay, sure. Ask me anything. What, what do you want? She says, my request is, I ask you to grant it that my sons can sit with you on your, uh, in, in your kingdom, one on your left and one on your right. She bold, man. In other words, she can ask Jesus for anything. She asked for a house. She asked for a new car. She asked for a new diamond bracelet. She said, I want my sons. <laughs> she wanted something the best for her children. Let my son sit with you on your throne. One of your left, one of your right. Of course, you know, those who know the story, Jesus said, hey, that's a lot to ask. That's not mine to give. He said, matter of fact, I'm, I'm not even sure they can drink the same drink I drink. Be baptized the way I'm going to be baptized. And they said, they said, oh, yeah, we can do it. He said, okay, you got it. You know the story, Jesus was crucified. James and John were both uh, martyred in, in horrible ways. They're, they're the, but they had to go with them to the end. But the point I'm making to you is, is that their mother wanted the best for them. And pick on all you want, but the best was to sit with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The blessing. Stand on your feet. Let me quit here. Everybody say the blessing. This is how important the blessing is. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Remember, God blessed Abraham. Abraham passed the blessing to Isaac. It was Isaac's job to pass the blessing to his son, his oldest son. He had a son named Esau and a son named Jacob. Your Bible says that when Esau and Jacob were born, it says that uh, Isaac loved Esau. Isaac loved Esau. In other words, Isaac uh, had a favorite. Esau, because Esau, the Bible says, was a hunter, and Isaac would eat of his game. But the Bible says uh, uh, Jacob was a, um, he dwelt in tents. He was like a mama's, I hate to say a mama's boy. He was, he was, he was a, if you, if you study it in depth, he was more like a renaissance man. Esau was out there a wild guy, you know, he grow his hair all wild and scraggly and everything and smelling like, you know, game. But Esau, I mean, Isaac was the kind of guy, you know, coming there, keeping nice trimmed and neat, you know, Jacob rather, and Jacob, you know, probably, you know, put cologne on and all that kind of stuff and kept his nails clean and good. He was a, you know, renaissance kind of man, open the door for mom, how you doing, you know, 
took care of his mom and all that kind of stuff. And it says, the Bible says that, that, that Rebecca loved Jacob. Rebecca loved Jacob. So when it came time for Isaac, the father, to pass the blessing, he is talking to Esau and saying, Esau, hey, go get some, some of that meat, boy. I'm going to pass this blessing to you. Rebecca in the kitchen, she listening. She said, what? What is that? She overheard that. She called Jacob. Jacob, come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Because she loved him. She conspired, put together a plan. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to get that blessing on you. She conspired against her own husband, against her oldest son. Because she loved Jacob, the Bible says. She said, and you need this blessing on your life. Because she understood, understood whoever got the blessing was, would now be trapped in a circle, in a cycle of success. He'd have success all his days. She, she went to the point that she said, hey, we'll kill an animal and put, it, put the animal skin on you so you'll feel furry like your brother. She had a whole plan. You, you go, go get a little meat. I'm going to cook this meat and, and you can act like you cook it. Jacob even says, but mom, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I do that, if, if he figures me out, then rather than him bless me, he will curse me. You know what she said? She said, let your curse be on me. She said, listen, boy, I want you to have the blessing so much. I'm willing to risk him cursing me. I let him curse me before he curse you. For this blessing to be on you. This is how desperate that mother wanted her. Y'all don't catch what I'm saying. This is how desperate that mother wanted that blessing on her child. And like I'm saying to you, most in the body of Christ have no regard. The Lord told me that one time. He said, my people have no respect for the blessing. Don't even think about the blessing. Like we barely think about the blood. Don't think about the word. Don't think about the name. The blessing? The blessing only has one thing it does. It makes you rich and has no sorrow, pain, toil with it at all. No struggle with it at all. He says, if you want your children blessed, you want your children to be successful and happy? Here's what you need. You can get them a good education. That ain't it. You can get them in all, involved in all kinds of sports and all kinds of activities, and I want my child to be well-rounded, well-rounded, well-rounded. Yep, they're going to be round and round and round and curse if you don't get this blessing on their lives. That's what we need. And God's released that to us. Well, how do you release the blessing? Well, I can release the blessing over your lives, and I do that all the time. Every day I pray, and every time I, was, I stand before you, when I, when, I, when I speak before I send you home, I'm pronouncing the blessing on your life. The Bible says something in, in Proverbs 11, 11, it says, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. So you and I can speak something over a city, and that's what we've been doing. That's why the city of St. Petersburg is beautiful and transformed as it is because we've been speaking, rather than curse this old sorry city, we've been speaking the blessing over it. Well, if you can do that for a whole city, if you can do that for a whole city, what can you do for your household? 
So parents, you got to do that for your children. Children, you got to do that for your parents. Matter of fact, Proverbs 31 says that her children rise and call her blessed. They'll call her blessed. So we, we're pronouncing the blessing on, on each other. Amen? Amen? Did y'all learn anything today? Did you receive something in, in your heart? Be desperate. If you're going to be desperate for anything, it's for the hand of the Lord and the blessing to be on your life and on your children's lives. And everything that's, that you're over. You got a business? Command the blessing on it. You got a ministry? Command the blessing on it. You just, oh, I have a career. Well, command the blessing on that career. Speak the blessing on it. You've been given that, that authority to speak that into the life of everything that's under you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, today we thank and praise you for uh, the blessing of the Lord. Thank you, Father, that, Lord, it's the empowerment that you've given us to prosper, to have success, to have victory in every area of our lives. Thank you, Father, that, Lord, with you, we are brought and delivered out of that cycle of, of failure and defeat that we've been delivered from the tyrannical uh, ruler called Satan, that he has no more power over us, but you've transferred us and translated us into the kingdom of your dear son. So now thank you that it's the kingdom, Lord, is a blessing kingdom. We don't speak curse upon anything that pertains to us. We speak the blessing. God, as we do that, release, we ask you, that powerful force upon everything that pertains to us. Even now, we speak blessing over our children. We bless them now. We bless our sons. We bless our daughters. We bless our children and our grandchildren. We bless all, bless all those that are in our lineage, oh God. We bless all those who are our descendants, God, those who come after us. That God, that our bloodline will not be a cursed bloodline, but it'll be a blessed bloodline. Like it was for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, hallelujah, that blessing upon Joseph, that blessing upon Ephraim and Manasseh, God, that blessing that you pass on down even to, 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 to uh, uh, David and Solomon and down to Jesus. Your word said if we belong to Christ, then we're Abraham's seed. We're heirs according to that same promise. So we're blessed with faithful Abraham. Father, thank you, Lord, that that blessing will produce enormous success in our lives. We ask you, Lord, like Jabez did, bless us, bless us. Indeed. Oh, bless us. Deliver us out, God, of cycles of poverty and lack and defeat. Deliver us out, Lord, of cycles of sickness and disease. Deliver us out, God, of sorrow and pain and struggle and toil. Deliver us into cycles of success and victory where we always win all the time. Thank you, Father, that our children will be highly successful, not because of their, of their labor, but because of the blessing. Your word says, Father, your word says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. So God, we want you to be the builder of our houses, of our families, of their lives.
Thank you, Father, that, Lord, you give us every resource and tool that we need to be successful in this life. Thank you, Lord, for favor abounding in our lives everywhere we go, that no's become yeses, that doors that have been closed begin to open suddenly in our lives, that things that have belonged to us, things that have been held up and reserved for us are released into our lives suddenly because of the power of this blessing. I speak blessing on everyone under the sound of my voice, whether they're here in the room, those watching online, God, I speak the power of the blessing. You are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. Empowered to prosper. Empowered to succeed. Empowered to experience victory in every area of your life. Thank you, Father. That it will be unto us as your word has said it. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you all the honor for these things. We do pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 And amen. Put those hands together.